another bad season. Well, they made the playoffs the year before. Bro, six out of the last nine years, the 49ers have been eight and eight or worse. In five of those seasons, they had losing records. The 49ers have not been a very consistent football team since they lost the Super Bowl against Baltimore. Well, they were there. Yeah, but then they lost again. They lost in an NFC Championship game. I thought it was a bad game plan by Shanahan. I understand Purdy was 4-4 four and four before that all went down, before he got hurt. But yes, I do believe that you could have plugged in just about any quarterback back there and they would have had a lot of success last season. I guess we forget that the Philadelphia Eagles were a pretty good football team last year too, huh? Now, I don't agree with the sentiment, but there are plenty of people out there that will tell you that Philly was the better team that day. Just made a couple of bad mistakes and it ended up costing them the game. The holding penalty, the fumble from Jalen Hurts, which to me signifies that they weren't the better team that day. But the point that I'm making is Philly was there and they deserved to be there. And if you would have put Purdy in that situation, I think he would have performed a lot worse than Jalen Hurts did in that football game. Now, I'm not going to say that just because he's a third-string quarterback doesn't mean that Purdy doesn't have talent. But what I am saying is, in this particular situation, we haven't really seen Purdy take over a football game. And you can't look at it to go, man, they won this game because of Purdy. There's not a single game that you can look to from last season and go, it is because of Brock that they won that football game. You can look to Christian McCaffrey, though. You can do that over and over and over again from last year. You can look to that defense. You can look to that offensive line. But you can't just say that Brock Purdy carried a football team that was horrible. Because even Jimmy G was winning football games when Max showed up after his demotion. I can't stress it enough. Debo got hurt, and even then his numbers were going down. His numbers were going down because the offense didn't have to be completely predicated upon Debo. That's why. Somebody else was there to take the pressure off. Christian McCaffrey, at the bare minimum, I think we can all agree on this, is probably the best utility running back in the NFL. And it's very easy to argue that he is the best running back in the NFL. In fact, all-around running back in the NFL. Obviously, you know, Henry's going to be in that discussion. I think Nick Chubb is going to be in that discussion. But the bottom line is, for me, I look around the league. I look at what was happening with Frisco. I look at how bad it was looking for them. And I say to myself, Mac is the reason that they were where they were. They won 10 plus games in a row once Mac really got going. That was from the second week that he was there on. And I really don't think that there's any if, ands, or buts about it, to be honest with you. Still think you're going to change my mind? Are you finally looking at it maybe from a different perspective? Are you seeing what I'm seeing? Because we're going to find out this year. I am not the type of person to, and I've said this millions of times, just decide that last year's success is going to carry over to this year's success. It's not the way that it works, especially in the NFL, because you're going to have to play a tougher schedule. So we're going to find out what Brock is really made of this season. By the time you get down to a four-string quarterback, I don't care who the team is, even if the game plan is good, it's probably not going to work out very well at all for anybody. But I still believe the, the game plan was pitiful. And Mac did his thing initially. It's just Philly figured it out and made a 49ers quarterback be a 49ers quarterback and he wasn't able to get the job done. I think that's pretty simple. 
All right, everybody. I am Drew Duncan. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is all at Drew Duncan Radio. You're listening to Fired Up. Brought to you in part by Block 50 Global Radio. Do not forget that you can find me on YouTube. Simply look for The Real Drew Duncan. And, of course, I am wherever you are listening to podcasts. If you missed the show live, simply tell your device to play Drew Duncan on iHeart, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Deezer, Spreaker. Wherever you are listening, I am there. We got plenty more to get to. We'll be back right after this. Don't you dare touch that dial. I am Drew Duncan. You guys are checking me out live on Fired Up. Do not forget that Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is all at Drew Duncan Radio. And we are brought to you in part by Block 50 Global Radio. I am wherever you are listening to podcasts. If you missed the show live, go ahead and check us out on iTunes, iHeart, Spreaker, Deezer, Google. Wherever you are listening to podcasts, we are there. Still plenty to get to today. We're going to be talking about Stidham and the Broncos. He's not the guy, I promise you. We're going to be talking about USC, San Jose State, Caleb Williams. Is he going to be the back-to-back Heisman? Meta World Peace says, well, my arrow's not soft. We'll see. Uh, In the meantime, Notre Dame, Navy, Notre Dame bullied the midshipmen. Look, I want to be clear about something. It's not that I think that Brad Purdy is a bad quarterback. And what I'm about to say about Sam Hartman is the exact same thing. It's that I think we misplace sometimes where credit is due. And I understand that quarterback is a top spot. It's where everybody's looking. And over the years, we have seen bad quarterbacks take really good football teams and tank them. We've seen really great quarterbacks take very bad or mediocre football teams and elevate them to places that they wouldn't have gone had they had anybody else. Hartman looked okay. He missed some throws at the beginning, especially on that first drive. He made some good throws. But I'm going to tell you something. That first drive specifically potentially set the tone for Notre Dame for the entire season. It wasn't just that football game. That front line, the running of Estime and the other backs in that football game, they were the MVPs for the Fighting Irish. They were good. In fact, I would almost say great. Estime, I know he had that fumble. If you can get that under control, I think Notre Dame is a traditional power football running in your face team because I'm going to tell you something if you didn't get to see that game then you're not going to know just how well Notre Dame was literally running the football right up the gut in between the tackles like it was 1955 and dominating nearly 200 yards on the ground estimate I think had 95 they had four guys that had 25 yards or more on the ground for Notre Dame Estime made a hell of a catch later on in that football game. Then on top of that, he had the third and 12 conversion uh, from the reception on the screenplay. I just feel like this team really wasn't about Sam Hartman on Saturday. I feel like it was about that run game, that offensive line, the defense, right? They have a transfer linebacker from Ohio State. The defense that was sealing off edges, Navy got off at the beginning, but then after that, couldn't get it done. Most of that is in part due to Notre Dame. Now, obviously, missed field goal, a couple of missed throws that were wide open downfield. But the way that Navy plays, the way that Georgia Tech plays, you're going to get those opportunities. You got to make the best of them. They couldn't capitalize is what it is. Still give credit to Notre Dame defensively for the most part because they put Navy in bad situations all game long. If Notre Dame is able to play bully ball like that, it's going to really help out 
Sam Hartman going into the Ohio State game, the Clemson game, the USC game. Those are going to be the premier games for Notre Dame this season. The big question that I always ask of a quarterback, and it's a legitimate question, is if everything else breaks down, not just the play, the overall scheme, and you've got to make in-game adjustments, is the quarterback good enough to get you to where you want to go? Is he good enough to carry and will that team to a win? Look, they're not around every street corner, whether you like it or not. Not everybody is John Elway with two minutes to go in the game. Not everybody is Aaron Rodgers with two minutes to go in the game. Not everybody is the best quarterback in the NFL with two minutes to go in the game. You're not going to tell me that there's a better quarterback than number 15 with the Chiefs. They're rare. They're difficult to find. 13 seconds left. Patrick Mahomes, ice cold, baby. They're not on every street corner. There are a lot of good quarterbacks, but there are not a lot of great quarterbacks. The reality is, especially college, because there's going to be a lot of good college quarterbacks. The reality is, I'm waiting to see if Hartman can get it done when he has to carry a football team because his numbers were really great at Wake Forest. Inflated, I don't think I'll go that far, but they were good. But here's the thing, though. If Wake Forest wasn't getting it done, what's going to change for him at Notre Dame when the game is on the line? What happens if Estime gets hurt? or if the running back by committee isn't doing it, or they can't power their way up the middle anymore, or defenses are keying in on Estime and the rest of the running backs. What's left? Who is Sam Hartman, really? And I think as the season progresses, we're going to be talking more and more about Estime being a Heisman Trophy candidate. Look, I'm not the type to get geeked up on one football game especially against Navy. But let's be honest, Notre Dame was night and day versus a season ago when they played Navy. They didn't allow them to get back into that football game. They didn't, you know, start having mishaps and just allowing, what was it, 16 points, 19 points, somewhere in that neighborhood in about seven or eight minutes in that football game to let Navy get back in the game. Here they just finished them off. Plus, I'm old school. And I, I've maintained my entire career that if you have a solid defense and a damn good running game, you can get just about anywhere you want to go. The running game, it's as tail as old as time, takes the pressure off of the quarterback. But what happens, though, when that quarterback has to face that pressure? Because obviously it's not just going to be about Hartman versus Ohio State. It's going to be about that running game and estimate as well. Is he able to stay healthy? Is he able to not have the turnover problems that he did last year, fumbling the football already, reared its ugly head against Navy? It was a good swipe, don't get me wrong. Still, you got to tuck that thing in, four or five points of pressure. You know, Notre Dame was very clever in what they did to get Hartman acclimated into that game for the most part. The deep throws aren't working, short curl routes, seven and in routes, seven and up routes, 10 and out routes. We'll see how the rest of the season progresses. I know it's going to take them a little bit of time, new team, new system. There is no preseason games like there is in the NFL. I'm well aware of these things. Okay, I'm just saying we will see. But for right now, to me, it's estimate in that offensive line. Guys, I am Drew Duncan. We are live. The show is called Fired Up. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is all at Drew Duncan Radio. You can find me on YouTube, so we look for the real Drew Duncan. Do not forget that I am wherever you are listening to the podcast. So we tell your device to play Drew Duncan. 
We're brought to you in part by Glock 50 Global Radio. Plenty more to get to. We're going to be talking about USC, Caleb Williams a little bit later on. Next up, though, I want to talk about Stidham and Denver. We'll be back right after this. Don't you dare touch that dial. Everybody, I am Drew Duncan. You guys are checking me out live on Fired Up. Brought to you in part by Block 50 Global Radio. Do not forget that Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is all at Drew Duncan Radio. If you miss the show live, I'm wherever you listen to the podcast. iTunes, iHeart, etc., etc. Wherever you're listening, I am there. Plenty more to get to today. We're going to be talking about Metal World Peace. He says LeBron's era isn't soft. Still got USC, San Jose to talk about. In the meantime, you know, the most popular player on any team that's struggling is the backup quarterback in 99% of cases. Put him in. Let's see what happens. We drafted him. Let's see what happens. Do something different. We got to see what happens. Can't be any worse than what we've got already. Well, sometimes it can be. Think about being in the NFL, and I, I've stood by this when I've talked about Trey Lance, when I've talked about other quarterbacks. You got to give them at least four years to develop. To me, it's that fourth year where it's make or break a lot of times for that quarterback. We've already seen Stidham in that time frame. We know what he's got, we know what he doesn't have. And I don't care that in the final preseason game that he just played, he went for 11 out of 18, 200 yards. He threw into double coverage. His guys were bailing him out constantly. It was second string defenders. It was preseason football. So I'm not saying anything bad about the preseason. Everybody started out in the preseason. Drew Bledsoe, John Elway, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes. Everybody started out in the preseason. Steve Young, Brett Favre, everybody. Okay? Terrell Davis. I mean, if it wasn't for that play that he made on special teams, maybe we don't know who Terrell Davis is. But what I'm saying is, is let's not overhype it. I don't think Stidham is the guy in Denver. What needs to be fixed in Denver is that atrocious-ass offensive line that they have miserable for any quarterback that's back there. One of the most penalized offensive lines in the NFL last year. Gave up what was it, the most sacks in the NFL last year. A receiving core that wasn't playing when Stidham was in, that had the most drops in the NFL last year. Through like the first, what was it, five or six weeks? You got Melvin Gordon, six fumbles in the first 11 weeks of the season. Everybody's pointing at Russ and going, it's his fault, it's his fault, it's his fault. That's just not how it worked. He could only do so much back there. If Russell Wilson was in Frisco right now, he'd be having a different conversation. Wouldn't we? The point of what I'm saying is I don't care what anybody says. Russell's the guy. Now, do I think his time frame is limited? Yes. But when Stidham comes in, let's just say Denver fails again this season. It all goes to hell in a handbasket again this season. If Stidham comes in for whatever reason, whether it's a coaching decision or the fans get their way or whatever the case may be, it's not going to get any better for Denver until they figure out the offensive line. If I was a quarterback in the NFL, 
the Eagles offensive line, the Broncos offensive line, the Falcons offensive line, off the top of my head, those three teams would be an absolute nightmare to play for. Zero blocking. And honestly, the O-line has been a problem for Denver since Peyton Manning retired. I'm not saying that they've had good quarterbacks that could have got you to where you want to go. But anybody who's a diehard Broncos fan knows that those football teams have had lines that couldn't block a D2 squad. That's all there is to it. The Broncos, their issue is not Russell Wilson. Stidham is there mining the fence, and he's there because you need a backup. You need a decent backup. Stidham's not going to start anywhere in the NFL, okay? I want to make that perfectly clear. He is not going to start anywhere in the NFL. There's no teams that are calling the Broncos today, and they're going, you know, Stidham just had that game, 11 out of 18 for 200. What do we do to get him over here? Not a team in the NFL. Not the Bucks, not the Browns, not the Raiders, duh. Not the Panthers, not the Patriots, duh. No one is saying, what do we got to do to get him here because he's the guy. He's not. Do I think he's good enough to be a backup? I'm 50-50 on that. But again, it won't matter who the quarterback is of the Denver Broncos because the offensive line is not good. I challenge you to watch the Broncos this year, watch some of the games from last year, and ask yourself, man, do I really think that line is good? Do I really think... Anybody could be quarterback behind that line. If you say anything other than hell no, I am going to presume you either hate Russell, hate the Broncos, or just don't have an eye for football. There's no way anybody can legitimately watch Denver and be convinced that anybody could be the quarterback of that football team because they couldn't be. That was the least prepared football team I think I'd ever seen, ever. Hackett, when it all went wrong and Aaron Rodgers wasn't there, I think he just threw his hands up and said to hell with it. Because he didn't have his boy. I don't think he tried. I don't think he gave a damn. And every time they started to run a more hurry-up style of offense, something with some rhythm and some flow that wasn't so controlled and Russ could, you know, pretty much dictate a little bit better defense is more his style of play. They actually looked pretty good. But for whatever reason, Hackett didn't want to do it. Again, he could have just thrown his hands up, said, I don't give a damn. He could be such a control freak that you're going to do it this way because I know this way works. No, it worked for Aaron Rodgers. It doesn't work for everybody. There's maybe a couple of other quarterbacks in the NFL that style of play would work for. And even then, it was the same play calling over and over. Run it on first, screen on second, throw it on third. There was hardly ever a changeup. When they threw it on first down, they actually did pretty good. But any high school football coach could have been able to watch the Denver Broncos last year and said... Man, I know what they're going to do all game long. There were literally plays last year where Russ would be in shotgun, and before the ball even got there, there was already a defender on top of him. What in the hell is he supposed to do? Stidham's not the answer. Fixing the offensive line is. That's pretty much all there is to that. 
Guys, this is Fired Up. My name is Drew Duncan. We are live. Brought to you in part by Block 50 Global Radio. Do not forget that Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is all at Drew Duncan Radio. You can find me wherever you are listening to the podcast. If you miss a show live, simply tell your device to play Drew Duncan on Automatic, iHeart, iTunes, Google Podcasts, etc. Wherever you are listening, I am there. Plenty more to get to today. We're going to be talking about USC, San Jose State. Coming up next, though, I want to talk about Meta World Peace. He says that his era of basketball with LeBron was not soft. We'll be back right after this. Don't you dare touch that dial. Everybody, I am Drew Duncan. You guys are checking me out live. The show is fired up. We are brought to you in part by Block 50 Global Radio. Do not forget that Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is all at Drew Duncan Radio. You can find me wherever you are listening to podcasts. Let me tell you a device to play Drew Duncan on iHeart, iTunes, etc., etc. In case you miss the show live, wherever you're listening, I am there. We still got USC and San Jose State to cover. But in the meantime, I want to talk about Metal World Peace and his comments about his era, whether or not they're soft. Well, Meta, we know you're not soft, don't we? Or do we? I don't know. I guess it's a matter of perception when you start thinking about the malice in the palace. I know a lot of people blame the Wallace, you know, Ben and Rashid Wallace. Okay. I know a lot of people blame them. I know a lot of people blame Metal World Peace for that. It really wasn't any of them. It was a fan, right, who threw stuff out there and and started that whole thing. That's the reality of that. Meta says, and I quote, I played in LeBron's era. Don't call this era soft, end quote. He's talking about guys from the 80s and 90s, how they don't want any of the smoke. Listen, any sport is physical at its core in that it is always going to be physically demanding. You have to stay in incredible shape. You better have your cardio game right. The basketball season is very long and excruciating, 82 games. You're flying all over the place. You're in Toronto one night. You're in L.A. the next. It is grueling. It's grueling. It's physically and mentally mentally demanding on some level, no matter what. It's sports. To think, though, that it's as physically demanding as the 80s and 90s were, well, then anybody that thinks that is sadly mistaken. And I love Meta World Peace. I really do. He's one of my guys. But I'm telling you right now, I just don't agree with him. When Jordan was getting mauled by the Pistons, he just went into the weight room, bro. LaFlop, are you kidding me? LeBron is a phenomenal basketball player. He's a phenomenal overall talent. There's nobody that's going to deny that. But there's not a single solitary one of us who hasn't reviewed the LaFlop tapes. And I get it. He's a huge star. He's going to get that call. He knows what he's got to do. And he's doing what he's got to do. But it's also because of him, and whether the NBA wants to admit this or not, that there are the flop rules that they're implementing. I mean, now they're trying to take it a step further. At first it was, you know, fine. Now they're talking about suspension and fine. They're... It wasn't just LeBron doing it. He's the front runner for it because he's such a megastar in that league. And flopping has always been a part of basketball. I mean, let's be honest, Dennis Rodman flailing his arms, you know. I mean, come on. It's always been a part of it. 
But to this extent, to this nauseating, to this point where you can literally just goof around. And it's crazy because some of the harder fouls don't even get called. Man, when you just wiggle around enough, you're going to get it. Don't tell me this era isn't soft and the fact that it is not as physical. It is physical, but not as physical. Now, I will say this. I think that the LeBron era has brought about a lot more finesse. And really, we've gone out of the LeBron era now, honestly, into the Euro area, or era, I should say. Because that style of play is what the NBA chose to adopt to so that way you could get those other stars over here and make the NBA what it continuously is. People say that they don't watch the NBA. That's fine. You're not. But according to all the ratings from last season, according to all the ticket sales from last season, everything was up. Most stadiums were sold out night in and night out. So whether some of us old school folks like what's going on in the NBA or not, the reality is is that there are plenty of people out there that do. They love the Euro step. They love being able to take the extra step. They like that players have a little bit more wiggle room offensively. And the game is a little bit more finesse now as a result. And so because of some of those rule changes, the positive is, is we get to see what some of these cats can really do. I don't know that we would think Giannis is as good as he is if he was in the 80s or 90s. Maybe he could have handled the physicality of it. You know, Stop worrying about how skinny people are, man. I mean, seriously, Bill Beer. I mean, that dude is like a dad bod by definition. Robert Parrish. All these guys weren't bulky back in the day. Right? I mean, come on. Larry Bird? (laughs) You know? Larry Bird wasn't skinny. Magic Johnson wasn't skinny. Dennis Rodman didn't start out thin down. Come on, man. The fact is, the build doesn't have a lot to do with how the game was played. And let's be honest, there were a lot of times when guys were just getting flat out mugged in the 80s and 90s, and that's not exactly basketball either, right? I love it. I love rough, tough basketball. Anthony Mason and Patrick Ewing and, you know, the New York Knicks, the way that they played back in the early 90s, man. I loved it. The Pistons, the way that they played in the 90s, you know, the, the way that they played when they won their back-to-back titles in the 2000s. Rashid and Ben just manhandling folks down underneath, crashing the boards, still being good enough to run up points on you. You can't go inside. They played dominant defensively. They were a tough basketball team. I love that stuff as much as the next individual. The good part is, though, with some of the rule changes is the finesse. Now, I don't like all the rule changes. And I do think that overall this era is soft. And I think there's only a handful of guys that could have made it in the 80s or 90s. But let's be honest. Is it fair to compare that all the time? No. Because you come up. You're a youngster. You learn how to play by the new rules that are being implemented. And so you get used to those rules. And so you start going by those rules. And that's how you play basketball. The fact is, if I were to talk about how soft an era is. The only thing I think at this point we can really include is defensively how aggressive they were allowed to be, but even then, not always allowed. They just were. I understand that things are called technicals now that shouldn't be. I'm with you on that. The game changes, though. It evolves. It evolves for whatever reason. And we are what we are with it. But I do think the LeBron era is soft, though. Too much flopping, too many calls going towards an offensive way. 
it's to the point where every time a guy gets tripped up or knocked down or, you know, he falls over himself, he's looking around for a ref to blow a whistle. It is ridiculous. So, sorry, Meta, your era is soft. Maybe not mentally. Maybe physically. They they go through a lot of the basic demands that every other athlete goes through. But if you want to tell me that you believe that any of those guys night in and night out could work with Shaq's domain in that era, the Pistons, no. It wouldn't happen, Brody. If you were to stick them in that era. But again, we have to stick them in that era. If they'd grown up in it, they would be the same way. So it is what it is. All right, everybody. I am Drew Duncan. We are live. This is Fired Up. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is all at Drew Duncan Radio. And in case you missed the show live, do not forget, we are ever. If you're listening to the podcast, simply tell your device to play Drew Duncan on iHeart, iTunes, Spreaker, Deezer, Google Podcasts, etc. Wherever you are listening, we are there. We are brought to you in part by Block 50 Global Radio. Coming up next, show closeout in San Jose State gets mauled by USC is Caleb Williams primed to be the only other guy to win the Heisman two times. We'll talk about it right after this. Don't you dare touch that dial. And you guys are checking me out live on Fired Up. Brought to you in part by Block 50 Global Radio. Do not forget that Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is all at Drew Duncan Radio. And if you miss the show live, I am wherever you are listening to podcasts. Simply tell your device to play me on iHeart, iTunes, etc. Wherever you are listening, I am there. Recap of the show coming up. In the meantime, USC San Jose State. You know. Caleb Williams is not a conundrum to me at all. Now, I know he's going to have everybody going nuts over that play that he made, right? We've all seen the highlight. We all know what happened. And I'm not going to take anything away from Caleb Williams. That was an absolute hell of a football play. Great awareness, stuck with the play, made something happen. USC gets the score as a result. That is because of him that they scored on that play. And if it goes wrong, maybe USC doesn't win that football game because the game kind of went exactly how I I thought it might. I thought that it would probably be close through the first two quarters, maybe deep into the third, it might be close. I think it was 21-14 at halftime, if I remember correctly. And it really wasn't, until the moment where the kick return for a touchdown happened by Zachary Branch that, to me, signified that they were going to be able to put that game away. I will say this. Defensively, I think USC is going to have a hard time this year. And I think as a result, it'll probably be a lot like last year in terms of how this season will go for the Trojans. I don't know that they're going to win a conference championship. I could easily see them losing two or three football games. And I just think defensively, they're going to have such a hard time with some of the teams that they're going to be matching up against that I really don't see them getting the job done because it's going to put so much pressure on that offense. Now, I've already talked about Caleb Williams not exactly showing up against superb defenses and having a difficult time. He may get a lot of passing yards, but a lot of turnovers are going to happen as well. Go look at the Utah game, a couple of others, et cetera. The thing that I always like to explain to people is that in college football, there used to be this wide gap. It's not so wide to me anymore. We've seen Central Florida's. We've seen Cincinnati's. We've seen other teams come up, Boise State, Utah, et cetera. 
that gap, that definite gap is just not there anymore in the talent pool. So many more universities, the NIL deals, the the going from 100 scholarships to 75 scholarships, et cetera, et cetera. There's just been so many things that have made the playing field so much more even. You go look at all the high, you know, high star recruits over the last couple of years, they haven't all exactly been at Georgia. And let's not forget that Clemson beat Alabama when they not only had basically NFL football teams out there, but all the best recruits in the nation for the most part at their position. That doesn't matter. Is it a good fit for everybody? And do you have that one star that if it all hits the fan, they're able to take you to where you want to go? Yeah, I don't know that USC has that in Caleb Williams. He just hasn't showed it yet in big games. But as far as a Heisman Trophy goes, is he going to be the next Archie Griffin? Well, I think as the season progresses, as I talked about earlier with Notre Dame, I think that they're going to start looking at Estime in a different light. I think he's going to have a couple of huge games. Obviously, the Ohio State game, um, the closest one where I think he'll finally get maybe his due. That's going to be his time to shine. Now, whether or not they decide to put it in Hartman's hands, I don't know. I don't know what the game plan is going to be. Obviously, that game is pretty much a month away, a little bit longer. But the point of what I'm saying is Hartman's probably going to start being in that conversation. Estimate's probably going to be in that conversation. So I think two players out of Notre Dame right away could be those guys. You've got other players around the country, obviously, that are going to start getting noticed. I think with Caleb Williams, what's going to take for him is, number one, at the bare minimum, a conference championship. Number two, probably at least one college football playoff win to solidify that thing there afterwards. I just don't see him doing it. I think there's some really good young talent coming into USC. But I don't know that that talent is available right now enough for Caleb Williams. And I don't know that he's got it to see it all the way through. I know that he won that Heisman last year, guys. I know he put up a lot of fancy numbers. But as we've already talked about, sometimes it's just not that difficult to put up fancy numbers. You can get a lot of garbage yards. You can get a lot of garbage time, especially in college football. If you're down 20, you know, 28 points, 35 points, it's the fourth quarter. The other team lets up even just a little bit. You can hit some yards at the end of that thing to make you look a little bit better than you were in that game. When for three quarters, you got maybe 100, 115. Then all of a sudden, you throw for 150, 200 yards in the fourth quarter when the other team didn't have to try anymore. They took out all their main guys. You did it against backups and second strings. We've seen these types of things before. Now, his development from when he first started and now, I will say, has been incredible. And he just showed his awareness on the field. Nothing is impossible when it comes to a Heisman Trophy. But I'm not willing to put it on somebody's back right now because it's only the first week of college football. And I'm not willing to give anybody anything based off of what they did last season. You're going to have to show me again. Do I think he deserved the Heisman last year? You know, I've said a couple of times that it was kind of out of necessity. At the end of the day, I think he did deserve it. He's probably the best player for the USC Trojans. In the Heisman, an MVP award basically, is showing that you mean the most to your football team. You have to ask yourself, do you think USC wins as many games as they do if they don't have Caleb Williams? I think, honestly, probably the same amount. That's kind of the deciding factor for me. It always has been. It always will be. I think without him, 
they probably win maybe one or two games less, even though he probably is the best player. Lincoln Riley's pretty much got a system that's down pat that works for the majority in the regular season. Now, obviously, in the college football playoff and in other situations, not so much, but that's just the way that it goes. So we will see. Again, I just think that there's going to be so many other players this season that are going to shine a little bit differently. It's only week zero. Week one isn't until this week. August 31st signifies week one in college football. Okay, guys. All right, everybody. I am Drew Duncan. This has been Fired Up. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is all at Drew Duncan Radio. If you miss a show live, do not forget that you can listen wherever you're listening to podcasts, Google Podcasts, iTunes, iHeart, et cetera, et cetera, wherever you're listening. We are there. We are brought to you in part by Block 50 Global Radio. Again, to reiterate, Brock Purdy is not the sole reason why the 49ers were good last year. Four and one when McCaffrey showed up. And again, that first week was because they hadn't really implemented a game plan for him yet. By week number two, three touchdowns, one running, one rushing, one receiving, over 180 yards of total offense by himself. Come on now. Kittle and Debo. Pretty good offensive line. You're going to tell me that it's all Purdy? Get serious. Notre Dame, the real MVPs, estimate the run game overall for Notre Dame and that offensive line and that defense that just refused to let a repeat of last year happen against Navy. Meta, sorry, Brody, your league is soft now. It might be more finesse, but that's only because they're allowed to be. Stidham is not the guy in Denver. I will repeat, the most popular player on a struggling football team is the backup quarterback. Right now, it's Stidham. They need to fix that offensive line. Otherwise, it doesn't matter who you put back there. They will get obliterated. That is a simple fact. USC, San Jose State. Look, I wasn't impressed with USC's defense by any stretch of the imagination. Obviously, Kayla Williams made a really good play. He made a couple of good routine plays that you're supposed to make as a quarterback. But again, I just think that the kick return for the touchdown is what sealed the deal for that football team. That's what did it to me. In the meantime, plenty more to get to as the week goes along. Obviously, all news will be keeping up with that. In addition, we'll be starting to preview some of the big games coming up for college football. Of course, September 7th, the NFL gets started. The Chiefs and the Lions. Everybody stay safe. Take care of yourselves. And as always, don't you dare touch that dial.